All right, welcome to Three Plastic Surgeons and a Microphone. Uh, unfortunately, Sal isn't with us uh, for this one, but uh, we do have Dr. Sam Jajurikar out of Dallas, Texas. Uh, Instagram handle is... At Sam Jajurikar. At, thank you. <laughs> at Sam Jajurikar. I am Sam Ree out of Paramus. I've only said it like 500 times. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, but it's been a while. Uh, I'm uh, Sam Ree out of uh, Paramus, New Jersey. My Instagram handle is at Bergen Cosmetic. And uh, Sal is a San Diego plastic surgeon. He's out of La Jolla, California, um, and he'll be joining us for other episodes. But uh, today we have a very special episode, which, will be which we will be talking about some of the recent changes in uh, BBL or gluteal fat transfer surgery that have occurred in Florida. And uh, Sam will be uh, taking us through some of those uh, changes and what's occurring. Um, but first, let's go through our disclaimer. Um, to all our listeners, this show is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The show is for informational purposes only. Treatment and results may vary based upon the circumstances, situation, and medical judgment after appropriate discussion. Always seek the advice of your surgeon or other qualified providers with any questions you may have regarding medical care. And never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking advice because of something you see in this show. And, um, you know, before I hand it back to you, Sam, I think um, I think the real reason Dr. Pichella doesn't want to be with us is he doesn't really love this operation like you and I do. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so with that, um, uh, any thoughts on, uh, on anything before we sort of get into the meat of the topic? Absolutely. I'm so glad that we're talking about this. There's been a lot of stuff in the media and, uh, and out in public. And I, I feel like if anyone is going to get ahead of this and sort of provide the best information about what's been going on, it's going to be us as plastic surgeons. And so um, before anyone hears or sees anything that's sensationalistic or, or, or not true, actually, um, I'm really glad that we're, we're sort of uh, breaking down this topic for people. Perfect. So let's uh, let's get into it. So let me get my screen loaded up here, and um, we'll just confirm that everyone can see this. Okay. Can you see this all right, Doctor Ree? It looks great. Perfect. So um, just to get started, you know, um, BBLs have had a long, complicated history. Um, prior to about uh, 2016, 2017. Plastic surgeons largely operated in a state of blissful ignorance where we didn't realize how deadly this operation was. 2016 studies came out of Central, uh, Central America and Mexico. 2017 in the U.S., we began to realize that the death rate was in the vicinity of approximately 1 in 4,000. At least that's what it was being estimated as. Um, throughout the world, there was talk of actually banning the procedure. Um, in the U.S., um, as well as most countries in the world, um, instead, plastic surgeons came up with some very salient recommendations. And the, and the big task force was the Multi-Society Gluteal Fat Grafting Task Force, uh, which was made up of, uh, by the time it was said and done, about 50 plastic surgeons. The recommendations were um, you need to inject superficially whenever you do fat injections. The reason for this was people were dying because of deep injections or even injections into the muscle itself that would cause the fat to go through the muscle, it turns out the back wall of the gluteus maximus muscle is, is very thin. The front wall is very, very thick and an effective barrier. But if you inject it in the muscle, the fat could actually come down through the muscle, um, put some pressure on some very thin-walled, deep veins, cause a hole in those veins. It would get 
uh, sucked up into your circulation, travel to the lungs and cause what's known as a fatal pulmonary fat embolism and sudden death. So the fat grafting task force said, hey, don't do that. Inject in front of the muscle, stay superficial where you have that nice barrier so the patients won't have death. Use blunt cannulas um, and, and big cannulas that are at least 4.1 millimeters or greater. Don't use a lot of pressure when you do the injections and don't angle your hand downwards. It seemed to help, you know. Um, I don't know about you, Dr. Reed, but in my community, I hadn't heard about anybody dying. Um, same for you? Yeah, I think the biggest issue were, it was either overseas uh, in the Caribbean or in Florida, where there were a number of high-volume surgical centers that were not very well regulated or um, overseen that really resulted in a, a significant patient morbidity and mortality. And that's what raised the alarm with this. Yeah. You know, and in fact, when you break down um, the first couple of years after the recommendations came out, um, particularly 2018, 2019, there weren't a lot of deaths in Florida. But then in the an eight year, then in a, the, the last year, uh, basically in uh, 2020, or I'm sorry, 2021, there were eight deaths in South Florida. And this caused a major ruckus. Um, you know, South Florida, just like you alluded to, is a very different plastic surgery market than other places in the country. People throughout the country are flying there to get their surgeries. Um, they basically meet their surgeons right before beforehand. There's in these clinics where, um, you know, they, they basically specialize in doing Brazilian butt lifts. Um, 10 or 15 of them are being done in a day, um, uh, probably several happening uh, simultaneously. Uh, and so the Florida Medical Board uh, put in an emergency action. Uh, they basically said, okay, enough's enough. Um, we're not going to limit the number of Brazilian butlers that can be performed today to only three. Uh, the rationale is that it limits fatigue and ensures the same surgeon is actually doing the surgery. Um, and I think, you know, if you think about it logically, if a Brazilian butt lift takes the average surgeon, say, three hours, um, it makes sense. That's that's nine hours in a day. That's That, that would limit, you know, the fatigue. And, and it's hard to envision how you could do a lot more than that. Um, the other thing they said was um, you have to do ultrasound guidance during the injection of the fat to ensure that superficial injections are actually being performed. And so that's the emergency action that went into place on June 3rd. Um, there's been a group of seven plastic surgeons that have actually challenged this. Um, they basically argued that plastic surgeons aren't trained in the use of ultrasound. Um, and they say that because other surgeons aren't, I'm sorry, other procedures aren't being exempted, this argument about physician fatigue is sort of nonsensical, meaning a surgeon can perform 10 tummy tucks in a day, why are they only limited to three BBLs? So what do you think about that, Sam? I mean, is, is ultrasound something that you feel like you have no experience with? Well, no, that's not true. Um, this is an interesting... So basically, the Florida Medical Board are responding to these issues. And whether or not this is correct or not, Florida has always had sort of a unique situation when it's come to, to medical care and plastic surgery. Um, even before this, they have regulations that we in other states do not have. For example, uh, they limit the amount of liposuction that you can perform at the same time as an adjunct procedure, such as a tummy tuck, um, up to about a liter, for example, if you're doing it in an office-based environment. And again, a lot of these issues, a lot of what they're doing is based on these high-volume plastic surgery clinics or cosmetic surgery clinics that are occurring in Florida. And um, 
I wanted a, I am very glad we're talking about this because I, I really would like to know more about the reasoning behind this and about the plastic surgeons who are also challenging this in Florida. This only came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, so what's your take on this right now? Sam? So it's, it's just personal speculation. I don't have any data to, to back this up, but I mean, the business model in South Florida is one of low cost and high volume. People fly there from across the United States because they know they can get surgery for a substantially discounted rate than what they might be able to get in my office or in your office or in most plastic surgeons' offices. You sort of eliminate that personal care, right? Your initial consultations oftentimes are done virtually or via email. Um, but the way that these these businesses will will survive economically is by doing a large number. If you limit the number of procedures that can be done in a day to three, you potentially harm the viability of some of these practices um, that are out there. In terms of the use of ultrasound, I mean, I believe most plastic surgeons um, who are of our generation or younger have extensive use uh, experience with ultrasound. I mean, I did, much like you, extensive general surgery training before plastic surgery where we use ultrasounds and we're very comfortable looking at soft tissue. Um, and so um, I don't I don't think that's really true, personally. Um, I think the physician fatigue arguments, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that if you look at your performance near the end of the week, um, during multiple, you know, multiple long operations, multiple long days, I mean, there is a tendency to get tired, uh, to, to, you know, to, to be tired. Uh, I don't know if that's actually what the Florida Medical Board is going after or if they're just trying to make sure that surgeons are actually doing the procedure, though, to be honest with you, because one of the things that I've heard from a plastic surgeon that's there is they're trying to get to the point where they actually have plastic surgeons uh, be videotaped doing the procedure with a timestamp to prove that they're actually the ones doing the operation. So that's that's kind of my thought. They actually uh, have instituted that in Korea because there was such a high number of ghost surgeons where surgeons were ostensibly doing the procedure, but they were actually not. So that's that. there is a precedent for that actually occurring in other countries. So I want to um, kind of focus on the, the ultrasound aspect of things. So um, over the last few years, uh, since 2017, 2018, there have been multiple techniques described with the use of ultrasound to do Brazilian butt lifts. And all of these seem to be great in theory and very difficult in practice because they were two surgeon techniques where basically one surgeon was injecting fat and moving their cannula back and forth while they were doing the procedure and the other surgeon was trying to mimic the motions of the other surgeon and go back and forth and follow the cannula at all times. And the problem with that is um, it's very easy to lose track of where the cannula is um, if you're going back and forth, even if you were controlling you know, the, the ultrasound with your other hand. But with two different people, there's no way to know exactly where they're going to go. And so most of these never really took off. They were thought to be slow, inefficient, not that reliable. But recently, a technique has been described uh, by doctors Pat Pasmino and Dr. Uh, Dan Del Vecchio. And they've really sort of pioneered a new way of doing ultrasound-guided BBLs, which is very efficient, very reproducible, um, and very safe. Um, it changes the way that we do the injections in the sense that we are not moving our cannula back and forth while we are doing the injections, but it, um, it, it allows us to put it in the safe plane and then it allows us to redistribute the fat afterwards. Have you seen any of these presentations, Dr. Ree? No, 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 not yet. 
Well, um, I have uh, adopted much of their technique um, and I've been doing it now for the last few months. And so um, the first thing is I want to, this is from a case I did this past week. Okay. And I want to, I'm here, sort of explain to you what I did. I bought an ultrasound probe, um, it's a few thousand dollars a month and a yearly subscription of a few hundred dollars. So it's not that expensive. It's wireless with Bluetooth technology. So it basically links to an iPad or my iPhone. We put it in a sterile glove and then we use ultrasound gel and we get great quality images. So what are we looking at? Um, I think, you know, um, this is the key. So when we are doing a gluteal fat grafting case, okay, what we're looking at is trying to make sure we stay away from the muscle. So on the bottom, you see this striations on the bottom. Can you see that, Sam? That's the gluteus maximus muscle. Yes. Right here. Okay. So what we see here, this this very uh, radio opaque or bright line, like straight line right here, is my injection cannula. So we know that if this is the edge of the gluteus maximus muscle, right here, we're staying above that. Well, one of the things that Dr. Stelvecchio and Pasmino have really kind of hit home, and it makes a ton of sense, is that in the subcutaneous tissue, you have, or a subcutaneous tissue is, is another word for fat, you have a, uh, what's called an investing fascia called scarpus fascia. And for our listeners, that's what sort of divides the superficial fat from the deeper fat. Again, deeper fat is still in a safe anatomic plane because it's above the muscle. But if you can inject your fat in a plane that is below this scarpus fascia, okay, you'll notice here now this fat is starting to blow up. Can you see the fat going in there? Yep. The fat is actually pushing the muscle down, and conversely, it's bringing, uh, it's bringing your skin out. So, um, so what does that look like on the skin? So what I'll do is I'll stick my cannula. I'll stick my cannula. The skin in the fatty layer. I'll confirm using the ultrasound. I'll use the ultrasound to confirm the safe line, and then I'm moving my hand at all. This is not very exciting of a watch, but if you look, okay, we'll start on this image on the right first. You can start to see the skin is slowly starting to pop up. Do you see that fat starting to come Mm -hmm. up here? You're at a slow coming up mm-hmm. you look on the left right here you slowly start to expand so literally what i'm doing is putting in my probe verifying that the cannula is in the right hip verifying that the injections are starting off in the right plane and then in just three or four spots that's in the entire buttock i'll put in a few hundred cc's in each spot so it's actually not that much slower to do it because you're actually Blow it with all of this fat. It actually sort of gets localized in various compartments within the fatty tissue, and then you just spread it out when all said and done. So what you're actually doing is you're, you know, you put all the fat in, uh, and I'm demonstrating the hip buttock in this area right here, and then, um, and then, what we'll do is we'll sort of we'll we'll see our results. And so what I'm finding is I'm using 
the same amount of fat as I always have in patients. So in this patient here on the left, it's a preoperative view. It actually puts some fat in the hips already from the front. So she already has a, a fairly nice curve. But you can kind of see how there's not a lot of projection. It's, it's pretty flat. Here I did an ultra on, on the right. And this is from this past week. I did an ultrasound guided BBL. And you can see the amount of projection that she has. So I'll put the fat in just in three or four. So did you see how much that butt's popping there, Sam? Can you see that? Yep. How much that comes out? Yes. Um, and um, you just spread it around, all said and done, voila. What we have here is we have a, res a way of doing things, which is easy. Probably 30 minutes to learn how to do this at the most. It is um, reproducible uh, and it's safe. We know with, with complete 100% certainty that all of our fat is in is in the is in the uh, is in the fatty layer, and it's not in the muscles. They're not going to die of fat embolism. Here's um another case, maybe. Um, so another case from this week. Again, this patient is um, before pretty flat. She's one central projection again. And we use ultrasound guidance, and you see that there is this nice projection again. And we know that this is uh, this. Um, I think that uh, even if this only becomes a rule in Florida and no other state adopts this, I, I think you're going to see more widespread adoption of this technique in plastic surgery over the ensuing months and years to come. I don't see any downside to it, really, um, other than the, the cost of an ultrasound and a little bit extra, of extra time. But in my hands, at least over the last few months, um, I haven't seen any compromise in results, and it's an added safety measure so that I can, I can, I can look and be a hundred percent sure that my cannula is in the safe place. And what I will say is that um, you know, don't allow a hundred percent confident. I knew which plane um, I was, I was, I was injecting it. And now, what I'm, what I'm, uh, what I'm seeing is that. Um, can you see me okay? Is everything? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you there? Yes. Okay, go ahead. What I'm what I'm seeing is pro probably in every case, or at least every other case, there's going to be a, a period of time um, where I'm thinking I'm getting in the deep fatty layer, and I check with the uh, with the ultrasound, and it actually is in the very superficial muscle. It's actually kind of scary about how how we can end up in the muscle and actually think we're in the fatty layer. So I really like this added safety measure. I think that uh, it's super interesting, Sam. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I am not sure, uh, like you said, this is something that's extremely new in terms of, I don't think uh, anyone a year ago or two years ago would have thought that this was going to be something that was either mandated in Florida or something that um, would be considered to be routine. And I think that there is certainly a lot here to unpack in terms of changing surgeon's techniques. Um, I know that you and I have both done thousands of BBLs in the past um, safely and well. Uh, added safety measures are always uh, welcome and, uh, and should definitely be looked at. Um, I always worry a little bit about regulation in terms of mandatory anything for surgeons. Unfortunately, I feel like <clears throat> um, the ones who generally force our hands are the inexperienced surgeons or the surgeons that don't really sort of do well with 
particular techniques. But in this case, this, this is really interesting. It looks like the results are amazing. Um, I'm really interested to see, you know, I'm, I'm always a little bit more of a conservative guy. I like to see um, in your hands, obviously, Sam, this is a really superior but you're an exceptional surgeon, Sam. Let's face it. You're not just an average surgeon. You're an exceptional surgeon. And how about when this gets into everyone else's hands, in my hands, in other people's hands? Um, what are those results going to be like? What are the long-term results going to be like? I have a feeling, Sam, no matter what technique you use, you're going to get an amazing result. You are extremely experienced and you're really good. Um, I would like to see uh, multiple systems multiple surgeons, you know, uh, more results. Um, I feel like, uh, everyone has their own personal preference in terms of what they do. And I know that I, you know, when one of the biggest things I've learned talking to you and Sam or Sal is that we all have similar goals and similar outcomes for many, many things that we do, but we also have little tweaks about how we do certain things. And, um, I feel like this is really exciting. Um, I certainly am going to, to explore this and uh, and find out more. Um, I know the two surgeons that you've mentioned who have sort of pioneered some of this work is um, uh, they they have been on the forefront of fat grafting for a long time. Um, I will say that this is definitely different in terms of the technique. Like I am so used to dynamically injecting fat. You know, the whole concept of static fat injection. This is the first time uh, I've heard of it or seen it um, uh, presented. And it's, it's very exciting. Um, but like you said, it does take a little bit of, um, of learning and maybe not all surgeons can learn it in 30 minutes. Like you can just because they're not as, uh, quick as, as you. Um, so I'm really excited. Can't wait to see more. Um, if, if this is something that proves to be, uh, helpful in Florida as well as everywhere else, um, we very may, may well see this become uh, widespread. Uh, so it's, it's great that you're on the forefront of it, that, uh, you're, ch you're examining it and incorporating it. And I, I look forward to hopefully me and, and other people looking at it and, and doing the same. Yeah. I, maybe I'm uh, exaggerating when I say it takes 20 or 30 minutes to learn how to do the technique. I, I, I do have a baseline comfort with ultrasound as I, as I know you do as well. Um, but it, you know, it, it is, it is, a as you allude to, it's a very different way for doing fat injection. One of the ways that we have always been taught is that you need to be moving your hand while you inject fat. And, um, you know, the reason we do that, though, is to avoid one of, you know, the major reason we do that is to avoid trauma to blood vessels. So with ultrasound visualization, the stationary injection ensures that we're avoiding those major blood vessels that actually can cause an issue. So from a safety aspect, if you have that confirmation, it's actually a very, very safe way to do things. Um, the thing that's always a little concerning the first time you do it is when you're done with these injections, and I didn't, I should have put some pictures of this up, the butt looks kind of lumpy. You know, it looks like you've got four distinct heads of, of broccoli or, you know, cauliflower. And so it takes a couple of minutes to spread it out afterwards to make it look even. Um, but if you are good about injecting in that plain, deep discarpous fascia, but superficial to the anterior gluteal fascia, meaning in the deep fatty layer, um, it's very easy to spread it around. It looks good very quickly. I know so, our national yeah, meetings coming, coming up in October, and I'm sure we're going to see a lot more of this as well uh, in there probably. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Are you planning well, uh, on presenting? For I'm not. This is so the technique I, I presented right here is was presented as the, at the Aesthetic Society at a Baker Gordon by mm -hmm. Del Vecchio. Okay. There was a, and, and the Aesthetic Society has really pushed uh, uh, this a lot. Um, and this is a, mod, a slight modification of the technique of Pat Pasmino and Dan Del Vecchio. Um, this is their, this is their technique, their description. So they're the ones that are presenting it. I'm just, a, I'm an early, I'm an early adopter because it's a, it's a really good way of doing it. That's awesome. Wonderful. Well, I think that's uh, all we got for today. Hopefully our, our, our viewers got something out of this and uh, thanks again. Uh, I'll see you soon, Sam. Thank you so much, Sam. I really appreciate it. Take care.